Anyone there? Oh. Hey. You're listening to KUSF.org. You're listening to KUSF, live from the University of San Francisco. Visit us on the web at KUSF.org. Do you want to go to France? Love Paris? Are you interested in what goes on in the doctor's mind? What about your gynecologists? Do you agree that a gay man is a girl's best friend? If you said yes to any of these questions, you must join me every Saturday and Sunday at 8 p.m. for The Secret Diaries of a Gay Gynecologist in Paris, a memoir by Rafael Herrero, M.D., Ph.D. Welcome back. It's that time of the week. It's time for another episode of The Secret Diaries of a Gay Gynecologist in Paris, a memoir. Yes, you heard right, a memoir by Rafael Herrero, MD, PhD. The Secret Diaries of a Gay Gynecologist in Paris Caution may contain adult language. Chapter 18 In the OR Part 1 The following Monday morning, I parked my mini Metro Austin Rover in the open-air, cracked concrete parking lot reserved for hospital personnel. I grabbed my backpack, my Lucky Charm card safely stowed in its front pocket, and made it towards the main building through the fresh morning air. This week, I was in the OR, and I was looking forward. Fresh out of my residency, I felt confident that my theoretical training was respectable, that I'd earned the chance to put my hands to use. Now, I could roll up my sleeves. Like a young sculptor stepping out of l'école de Beaux-Arts, I was hungry for some clay. I was sick of watching the big guys doodling with the scalpel, the scissors, the forceps, dissecting, cutting, surgering, while I held back body parts with retractors, sucked blood away from their field of vision with cannulas, and dabbed a tissue with gauze. Now it was my turn. I loved the OR. It was where I could do something very few people could do. The result, the return, the reward, immediate. One day, the patient was wincing in pain. The day after surgery, the pain had vanished. One day bleeding, then no more. One day pregnant, and then presto. Besides, the OR was finally a moment where things were planned, organized, in control. No, stop whatever you're doing and get down here now. No, Dr. Herrero, hemorrhage, ER. No, Rafael, fetal distress, hurry. In the OR, I was finally in an isolated world, a protected environment, programmed activity, patients on a list. Chaos was left behind at the OR door. To top it off, the patient would finally be quiet. I reached the hospital entrance. A whole week in the OR, it would be great. I wouldn't have to talk much, struggle with my French. Anatomical nomenclature was international, based on Latin. Medical names for body parts couldn't change excessively. 
Okay, I hated that the feminine vagina was a masculine word in French, and it was pronounced vagin, nothing like vagina in English or vagina in Spanish. Okay, I was gay and proficient at gender confusion, but learning new genders for words was tough. As if contorting my lips and jowls in funny ways in order to get new sounds out in the French language weren't hard enough. But this week would be a breeze. In the OR, with less talk, I'd find fewer question marks in co-workers' eyes. The body was the body. Surgical techniques, standardized. No terminology and concept kerfuffles. Just gloved hands, working. I, bow down, had studied to Lindy's textbook of operative gynecology, the Bible. I reached the entrance to the OR. The infrared beam detected my presence and the automatic sliding glass doors marked Bloc Opératoire parted. I walked in, my shoes sticking to the gray tacky mat. I looked back at the footprints on the adhesive pad, disappointed once again that it hadn't removed anything of consequence. On the glossy whiteboard, I read the list of patients for the day. 8 a.m., Madame Ruiz, pâté mammectomy. 9.30 a.m., Madame Clavier, hysterectomy plus birch, fan and steel. 11.30 a.m., Madame Lepont, ovarian cystectomy, cilioscopy. 12.30 a.m., Madame Domenech, polypectomy hysteroscopy. 1 p.m., Madame Oliveira, DNC, blighted ovum. Pate? Birch? Celio? I'd done quite a few mastectomies. I hoped there wasn't much of a difference between mastectomy and mammectomy. But pate? We'd always call to them maddens. Celioscopy must be what they're calling laparoscopies here. One of the OR nurses came in and saw me staring at the whiteboard. The pate's been cancelled, she said, walking past me towards the changing room. I seized the opportunity. I asked, what's a birch? She stared at me quizzically. It's for urinary incontinence. She's probably pissing in her panties. The changing room door closed behind her. For urinary stress incontinence, I'd always performed the standard Marshall Marchetti Kranz procedure. Was there a difference? I followed her in and found my supervisor and head of department, Dr. Rocher, pulling up her pants. Even her scrawny legs were tanned. Come on, Raphael. What are you waiting for? She said. Let's get scrubbed. I jumped into green scrubs and threw on a surgical cap and mask and joined Dr. Rocher at the water trough. Dr. Rocher's helmet of curler hair bulged through her OR cap. She threw me a sponge in a plastic wrapper. Come on, get crackin'. She stood there watching me. I unwrapped the sterile sponge, pressed the hip lever to the side with my thigh, and let water fall down my hands and elbows. I activated the betadine dispenser and mahogany brown liquid soap with ochre bubbles trickled down my forearms. She scrutinized my every move. Uncomfortable, I said. How was your weekend, Dr. Rocher? She chewed fiercely on a piece of gum and started scrubbing. Was it a wad of tobacco? Fine, she said. Why? She threw the sponge into the trough and said, Allez, on y va. The patient was already asleep on the table, anesthesiologist and his nurse checking scopes and tubes. 
The circulating nurse said, Si tu cherches la casaque, Raphaël, tu peux la trouver là-bas, sur la table. Thank God the nurse had pointed over to the table in the corner with her chin, because the only thing I had understood was là-bas, over there. Over there was an open pack with my green gown waiting for me. I put it on, and the nurse tied me up in the back. She grabbed a wax envelope. Seven and a half, she said, ready to tear it open. Yes, please, I said. I'd always been gloved by scrub nurse, a sterilely dressed nurse who passes instruments directly to the surgeon during the operation. I asked, Who's the instrumentiste today? Dr. Rocher stared at me. You expecting one? What could I say without looking stupid? I said, I've always worked with one up to now. The anesthesiologist, looking over from his scopes, said, That's probably because labor is cheap where you're from. As trained, I took the carton tag dangling from my waist and held it out to the only nurse in the room who was running around opening surgical packs with her bare hands, the circulating nurse, so we could do a twirl like a Mozart minuet and get the front and the back of my gown tied securely, sterilely. Oh, for heaven's sakes, the circulating nurse said to me. You don't need me to do that. Though I'd always been instructed not to do so, I threw my arm behind my back and fetched the carton with my other hand and tied the straps in front of me. Dr. Rocher said, Allez, faut pas perdre du temps. Passez-moi le set de badigeonnage. The nurse quickly opened the prepping pack and I removed its orange sponge on a popsicle stick and the accompanying plastic cup. The nurse stood back and, like a professional cider server, lifted the yellow bottle of betadine high up in the air and filled my cup with a long, loud brown jet of pavidon iodine. Standing over the motionless female body, tubes displaying out of her face and arms at right angles like Mary Madeline on the cross, I proceeded to apply the brown solution. As trained, I placed the first sponge stroke just above the mons pubis, where the incision would be, and continued in a snail-like ever greater spiral. What are you doing? Dr. Rocher said, snapping her gloves on, coming over to me. Let me show you. She grabbed the cup and sponge and drew a vertical line from the patient's cyphoid process to the vulva and then drew parallel lines on each side of the previous stripe. I'd learned that this technique was not as aseptic as the one I'd started, but I was in France, so it had to be better. The circulating nurse pushed a tray towards me with the drapes we were supposed to cover the patient with. The drapes I'd worked with previously had always been green cloth. Here, everything was impermeable paper, self-adhesive, disposable. They must have money to throw around here, I thought to myself. And this is a small public hospital in a working suburb. Total hysterectomy, Dr. Rouchis said, grabbing the scalpel from the table. Her small, frail figure was the center of the room. Patients 48, she said into the air, although I guessed it was more for me. Fibroid uterus, lots of pelvic pain, doesn't need it anymore, let's get the bastard. She applied the scalpel to the hypogastric area and made a clean incision across the pubic area. I watched her apply the standard fan and steel technique of gaining access to the abdominal cavity. I needed to show Dr. Rocher I was a Bolshoi ballet superstar in disguise. Using correct terminology was a great way of showing off. I said, Will we be performing an ophorectomy today, Dr. Rocher? She narrowed her gaze without looking up to me and said, A what? Une ophorectomy? 
I tried to pronounce better, pursing my lips even further. She let out a quick, small billow of air through her nostrils, which I wasn't sure was a suppressed chuckle or a grunt of exasperation. I understand what you're trying to say, she said, but that's not the way we say it. You're trying to ask me if we will be removing her ovaries, right? I pulled on the Farabeuf retractors, and she cut the muscle sheath with her mayo scissors. Une ovariectomie, Raphael, she said. Une ovariectomie. Ovariectomy instead of ophorectomy? Ovariectomy sounded like a layperson's bad attempt for such a beautiful, elegant medical term derived from Greek, ophorectomy. I said, yes, sorry, that's what I meant. Of course we're going to do an ovariectomy. Bilateral. She's 48 years old. What a dumb question, I thought to myself. Nevertheless, removing a woman's ovaries seemed to me like an eternal debate in scientific publications. Arriving at destination, Dr. Rocher cleared the small bowel from the area, and we discovered the uterus, our target, rosy, moderately enlarged and bumpy, like it had swallowed a couple of golf balls. I sighed in relief. The inside of French women was the same as in the rest of the world. We introduced warm, wet packets, small, drenched towels, to displace the bowel into the upper part of the abdominal cavity and keep those wriggling, slimy tubes out of the way. We held them back with fixed metal retractors. Dr. Rocher checked to the surroundings like a cat inspects a new room before deciding it's safe. Round ligaments, fallopian tubes, ovaries, blood vessels, uterosacral ligaments, ureters, citing each structure out loud. Thank God the anatomic names were almost identical to English. So far, so good. Okay, she said, pulling the bonsai tree up with all her might. Hand me the cautery scalpel. Et bien voilà, mes amis, c'est tout pour aujourd'hui. That's it for today, my friends. Join me for our next show of... The Secret Diaries of a Gay Gynecologist in Paris, a memoir by Rafael Herrero, MD, PhD. Contact me at Rafael Herrero, R A F A E L dot H E R R E R O dot S F, like in San Francisco, at gmail.com. Au revoir, à la semaine prochaine, et vive Paris! If you liked today's episode, would you please like my Facebook page? Search for A Gay Gynecologist in Paris. And follow me as well on Twitter at GayGynoParis with no spaces between the words and share with me all your thoughts. Thank you and see you next week. Salut, mes amis. Ici le gynécologue gay de Paris, the gay gynecologist in Paris. Suivez-moi sur Facebook. Vous pouvez me trouver sous Gay Gynecologist Paris. Faites-moi un like, s'il vous plaît. Vous pouvez me suivre aussi sur Twitter, at Gay Gyno Paris. Ça s'appelle J-A-Y-J-Y-N-O, Paris comme la ville P-A-R-I-S. Répondions le bonheur et soyons tous amis sur Facebook and Twitter. Au revoir, beaucoup de bisous et à bientôt. Hola amigos, aquí me tenéis el ginecólogo gay de Paris, the gay gynecologist in Paris. 
Me podéis seguir en Facebook. Es más, os pido que me sigáis en Facebook. Buscadme bajo Gay Gynecologist Paris. Hacedme un like y seamos amiguitos. Además, seguidme por favor en Twitter. Estoy bajo Gay Gyno Paris, que se escribe G-A-Y-G-Y-N-O-P-A-R-I-S como París. Seamos amigos todos en todos los sitios web. Y os mando a todos muchos besitos. ¡Hasta luego! Y ahí, galera. Aquí el ginecologista gay de París, The Gay Gynecologist in Paris. Curtam minha página no Facebook, Gay Gynecologist Paris. Vocês podem também me seguir no Twitter, no Gay Gyno Paris, soletrando G-A-Y-G-Y-N-O-P-A-R-I-S. Não seria divertido sermos todos amigos no Facebook e no Twitter? Até mais! Hallo, Freunde! Hier ist der schwule Frauenarzt aus Paris, der Gay Gynecologist in Paris. Ihr könnt mich auf Facebook klicken unter Gay Gynecologist Paris oder folgt mir auf Twitter unter Gay Gino Paris. Buchstabiere G-A-Y-G-Y-N-O-P-A-R-I-S. Es wäre toll, wenn wir alle Facebook- und Twitter-Freunde würden. Tschüss und bis bald! Contact me at Gay Gynecologist Paris. Three words, all together, no spaces. Gay Gynecologist Paris at gmail.com. That's right, my friends. You just listened to Chapter 18, Part 1. Get ready for Chapter 18, Part 2. Je veux vous lire la deuxième partie du chapitre numéro 18. 